And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. Kids, it's Friday. I know this because I just looked down on my phone. Gary, happy Friday to you. How are you? I'm doing. I'm doing great. Chuckling a little bit. Uh, yeah. Just was looking at the uh, the headline in Fox News. Yeah. Game on. That's what it said. Game on. Biden draws first Democratic challenger for 2024 oh, okay. as Marianne Williamson confirms plans to launch bid. Calm down, Fox News. Game on. Ooh, it's going to get spicy now. And and I guess one of the reasons that. That caught me was she's well, not in her prime. No, 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 no! I did not say that. I did not say that. Oh, no, you're the reason have some training over the weekend. No, the reason that that headline uh-huh. when it said "Game on," I'm like, it's Marianne Williamson. Mm-hmm. You know, there's but it was earlier in the day when I was looking at the front page of of uh, of uh, FoxNews.com. And yeah. you know they, you know they have uh, that story. They had you know uh, Buttigieg uh, in uh, oh uh, you know in uh, uh, in Ohio, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at the different headline news related, and also right in the middle of it, golf influencer Paige Sporanic post a golf tip video in low cut shirt. Fans can't contain themselves. Sporanic was teaching how to grip a club where while wearing a low cut shirt. That's in Fox. That was in the front page of FoxNews.com. To be clear, I'm assuming that's a female. Yes, yes, in her prime. <laughs> because John Daly does that a lot. He wears those low cut shirts. <laughs> well, he has the uh, the figure to do so. Well, that's, yeah. Let's just say he fills out his shirts nicely. <laughs> John Daly, not. In his prime. <laughs> <laughs> no, for, for John Daly? Yeah, he I is. Think yeah, he you're is. right. He is in his prime. But, 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 uh, but I'm thinking, you know, and this guy, Ryan Morick, wrote, wrote the story on, you know, the, and, you know, she's, uh, you see her all the time on Twitter. She's, you know, posting, 
you know, golf things and, you know, risque, whatever. I mean, you, okay. just, you, you see it all over social media. Oh, it's kind of her thing then. Okay. Yeah, that's what all her right. thing is. Yeah, oh, okay. golf influencer. Right. I mean, oh, okay. that's, that's really her thing. And then she right. gets in debates back and forth with, with, uh, with, uh, with people. But it's always in something, uh, let's put it this way, a significant portion of the time she is scantily clad. I don't really believe. Now, this is just me. Mm-hmm. I don't really think the the primary thing she is selling is golf. But, right. but, but I'm it's thinking. It's not about the game. <laughs> so, <laughs> or it's not about that game. <laughs> well, it may be. It may. She may have a different game. Well, it may. It may be about. It may be about tips and things like that about the game. Uh-huh, sure but, it is. but what's supposed to draw you in uh-huh. is not. Well, I'd like to hear her expertise. Yeah. On how to hold my nine iron. Yeah. Especially if I'm just fading it off a little bit to the right. Yeah. Uh, but I, I was thinking that it was written by uh, Ryan Morick. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking, I have no idea who Ryan Morick is. Okay. But uh, works for Fox News. All right. And I'm thinking, you finally get your job, you know, at Fox News. And it's right. like, you know, okay. And yeah. probably a lot of reporters, if it, you know, if they're drawn to Fox News, it's because of, you know, probably uh, being a journalist and also might be leaning a little bit conservative. Yeah. Right? Or at the and, very and, least you're you know, want to go where they have ratings in cable news. Right. But yeah, yeah. but I'm talking about Foxnews.com. Yeah. I'm talking yeah. about even you know sure. even, but you and so you want you want to be a writer, you want to get some of these important stories out. Mm-hmm. And then they sit there and say, All right, look, uh Joe, you cover uh the Ohio thing. Uh Jennifer, uh, you're gonna cover uh the uh, the the Chinese balloon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, do a Chinese balloon thing and whether saying Chinese balloon is racist. That's a mm-hmm. good one. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. what you do, Jennifer. That's how you're going to do that one. Uh, and, uh, let me see. What else do we have? Um, uh, let me see. Uh, uh, okay. You cover Trump. You cover, uh, DeSantis. Uh, you cover Nikki Haley. And Ryan, you cover Paige Sporanic's posts on social media when she is in a low cut shirt. And make it exciting, like fans can't contain themselves. Yeah, exactly. Which I have no idea what that means. <laughs> hey, listen, uh, we need somebody new to cover Buttigieg. Does anybody have a bicycle? <laughs> Anyone? <laughs> so I just, I mean, I that that's what got me, because, you know, that got me early in the day. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's on the front page. Yeah. It's like, you know, yeah. stop it. Just stop it. Right. You know, and, just, mm-hmm. uh, and and then it's like, okay, I need to go where I'm not going to see this. Where's the New York Post? Oh, well, no, sorry. Doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> doesn't, wait as a long as you're on pages one through five. <laughs> Hold it. Let me go to the Wall Street Journal editorial page or National Review. Yeah. Hopefully I'll be safe. But it just. <laughs> well, for now. I can. Well, not safe, but of a, a place. Where it's safe, where I can get real news, yeah, <laughs> and 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 real commentary without throwing that in. And so I just wonder, you know, because you and I have always asked this question: the 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 Daily Caller before they you know went in a paywall would always do the same thing too. Mm-hmm. They'd have all these you know news stories, and it's like this actress looks stunning in her bikini. Mm-hmm. For God's sakes, you're the Daily Caller. Yeah, I'm looking. For- <laughs> Yeah, I I know where to find that, and right. I'm and I'm thinking, do they do do they do uh, focus groups? 
And is it like, yes, I go to foxnews.com for the news, but once in a while, I like to see a picture of uh, Paige Sporanic uh, giving golf tips in a low-cut shirt. Don't need to. They get the clicks. They see the clicks <laughs> right the clicks, away. Yes. It's People are clicking on it, and that's why they keep doing it. By the way, I only click on it once. <laughs> so cleavage sells yeah. across the board. Right. Okay. Aside from John Taylor's cleavage. Yeah. Still not enough uh, to get me interested in golf. But but still, when I when I when I saw that game on, I'm like game on what? I mean, uh, and, and 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 the funny thing is, when I when I saw it for game on, it's like mm-hmm. Biden draws first Democratic challenger, and I'm thinking, and I just you know we had talked about Marianne Williamson the other mm-hmm. day, you know probably mm-hmm. going to announce, but I'm thinking, is it another name? And, and in my mind, the first thing that went in, the first thing that entered my mind was before I got to the the second sentence. Uh, or the second part of that, the the headline, which was you know Marianne Williamson confirms plans. I'm I'm saying to myself, please God, please God, let it be Buttigieg. <laughs> yeah, it's like please, 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 please. Yeah, um, or Skater Boy. Yeah, maybe. It's uh, it's not going to happen for Miss Williams. Uh, no, no, it, it's uh, it isn't game on. No, it is not. <laughs> It is not. You know, uh, you you look at it and uh, you see a, a handful of Democrats in the Senate that basically are are saying, you know, yeah, I'm I'm going to be running in 24. The ones that are up in uh, 24, um, and you know, as that comes about, we watch them try and and be more moderate. You know, tester. You know. Well, he's a, he's more of a moderate, and and then uh, you know the the back and forth on Mansion over the weekend. I just thought to myself, look, you got to own what's going on with your party. It used to be you could separate pretty clearly. Uh, Kirsten Cinema has been vocal, and then she did the official se- separation by leaving the party. But this is, you know, I look at it and I say, you know, the cycle is going to be the the party is going to carry them to doom or not. And it doesn't it doesn't matter. Tester might be able to get away with it in Montana. I don't know about Kirsten Sinema. And I don't know if somebody's going to take on Joe Manchin, a Republican, a strong Republican. We never I never. I saw the story yesterday, and we never got to it yesterday. They said, Mansions is announced he's not running for president. Uh-huh. Oh my yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That, that was the biggest non-news story of the day. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know anybody that was even mentioning his no. name. I did see the headline, but I think I, only, I forgot where I saw it, but I only saw the headline in, on one website. I didn't see it anywhere else. It's yeah. Like, no, I saw it. It was. A, it was, was, uh, it, was it Fox? It, I think it was because it was part of an alert. But, you know, it was, you know, his focus is going to be on a state as uh, the talk of GOP challengers. It is Fox. There it yeah. is. Joe Manchin, not running for president. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> At least they didn't put game not on. <laughs> yeah, game not on for Joe Manchin. Well, I mean, you know, I look at it and, and, and I think to myself, then you go back to <laughs> the GOP. What was it, a couple of months ago when they announced we're going to pick strong candidates. And it's like, uh, you know, it's 2023, right? Yeah. I mean, you've been going on for years. And the point was, is they believe it clearly. They believe that that in Georgia and Pennsylvania, they didn't have strong candidates. Well, wasn't because they, didn't they didn't. Actually, didn't they actually say not just strong candidates, but wasn't the headline the GOP uh, has you know met and decided we want to pick candidates who can win? Yeah, I don't I, I don't remember that verbiage. I remember that headline. Yeah. Yes, um, that, but I mean that may be a, may yeah. have been you know uh, one of the stories on the same story or one yeah. of the versions of the same story. Because we died laughing, saying, yeah. oh, they want to pick candidates who can win. Oh, you're a political party. Right. Wow, now that's unique. And, yeah, and, and you know, I think if you're going to, as a party, go out and groom candidates, they certainly, number one, need to be electable. <laughs> Except if you're the Democratic Party. Well, you know, and I mean, and, you, but you, you also, you know, because I thought to myself, okay, uh, with the stuff over the weekend, you know, with Tester and Manchin and those stories popping up, and it's like, okay, if you're going to go into Arizona and challenge cinema, right, um, what are you going to do there? Uh, if you're going to go into Montana and challenge Tester, who do you send? You know, you got to find people that can appeal to the people of those states. It's not just about the national picture. I know how you beat cinema. Mm-hmm. You simply post a picture of that god-awful contraption she wore at the State of the Union. The yellow thing? Yeah. So I didn't know she's got a side gig. She sells dresses and and, and outfits. I saw that, and I'm like, what is she doing? I said, is this what the re- point is she making? Is this the red carpet for the Grammys or something? Right. <laughs> it, no, I mean, it was just bizarre. over the top. With the big blooming shoulders and like, wow, what was it? Is she going to the prom? Did she think this was the prom? Just, just post that big picture, post it behind you. Yeah. It says, I'm just so you know, I'm announcing I'm running for Senate and I'm running against her. Yeah. <laughs> right. And the dress. Um, I, but I, you know, I think to myself, I wonder how many or how much people will pay for the dress that's been worn to the State of the Union. But it's still that dress. You know You know what I yeah. mean? It's not like a normal dress. No, I, I, I don't know how popular that would well, be. Well, it would be, you know, it would be one thing if uh, this was um, Nancy Reagan's, uh, you know, uh, uh, dress jacket or something that she wore to her husband's first State of the Union or uh, his inaugural address, uh, the inauguration and inaugural address and... Things like that. I, I don't know how far it goes. I am curious to know how yeah. much money she's making because she's selling them. She wow. sells those clothes, and that was and and I thought to myself, all right, fine. I I thought Devo had reunited and she was the first female member. Yeah, when I saw that, I thought they were going to do a bit on Sesame Street. <laughs> I thought the president was going to acknowledge. <laughs> Sesame Street and Big Bird. 
It was a big yellow loud dress. Yeah, it was the, it was the shoulders it got to me. Yeah, no, it was. It was, it was, yeah. it was like what? What, yeah. what? You know what is what in God's world? Who, you know who consulted you? I didn't know she was selling them. Yeah, I didn't either. I know. I, I, I read I, the story and then it said in the story she she sells her show uh, her um her uh, 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 clothes that she wears and I thought okay and she's going to list this at some point as a dress worn by a senator at a State of the Union address. I, I don't know that that would matter. <laughs> we, As you can tell, we have a great show ahead. We do. 866-90-RED-EYE. Tires command a lot of attention. As a top expense for drivers and a leading cause of CSA violations, any tire maintenance practice that can help extend tire life is worth consideration. Consider tire balancing which can set you up for savings and a smoother ride before your tires touch the highway. Tire balancing corrects an uneven distribution of weight in tires and wheel assemblies, but the trick is to be proactive and not reactive. Conduct routine pre- and post-trip tire inspections and pay special attention to inflation. Tires with too little air will wear prematurely and create more resistance, which can result in increased fuel consumption, a harsher ride, and ultimately lead to a blowout. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed. Brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. Bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Progressive Commercial Insurance protects truck owners with specialized coverages. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. Well, Buttigieg made an appearance uh, in uh, East Palestine, uh, Ohio, mm. yesterday. Was it a mistake not to come here sooner? You know, what I tried to do was balance 
two things. My desire to be involved and engaged and on the ground, which is uh, uh, how I am uh, generally wired to act, and my desire to follow the norm of... transportation secretaries, allowing NTSB to really uh, lead the initial stages of the public-facing work. It was bad. That's how he's wired, though. Yeah, it's how he's, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's bad. And, and nobody's, by the way, nobody's buying the excuse. No. Right? no. Oh, I didn't want to interfere with the NTSB. You don't. You know, you, you go there and, and uh, we stated what he should have done. From 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 uh, day one, the next the next morning he should have done a press conference, uh, and you're there and you have the head of the EPA, the federal EPA, the state EPA, the governor, the mayor, and and an, an NTSB representative if they have anything to report, and if they don't, then the NTSB doesn't have to be there. But it came out yesterday. Well, first off. It, I, I talked about one dumb thing that that uh, I, I hate um, um, this week, and this is the second one that I hate. And it is when you see this, everybody's trying to politicize this. They're all politicians. That's the only thing they can do. Everything is politicized. I love how they talk about, and the media talks about it consistently. We need to stop politicizing things. We politicize everything. If you didn't politicize something, that would be news. But we yeah. politicize everything. Yeah. And it's and it's not a bad thing. It can be a bad thing. It's a bad thing, for example, Buttigieg, when he politicized and said it's Trump's fault because of the, uh, the new brake system that hasn't been put on. Mm-hmm. But as we said, when he said that, the NTSB uh, already had said, they didn't believe that that was the cause. Mm-hmm. Now we know that was not the cause. Mm-hmm. So everything that Buttigieg talks about that we need to do had nothing to do with the actual accident. That would be politicizing something by giving disinformation, line, whatever. Yeah, blaming the opposition instead right. of addressing the people on the ground. Yeah, and and, and dealing with and it. the real cause of the action of the accident. The Bona Show. In Red Eye Radio, he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. Then, of course, as we predicted, and we don't make many predictions <laughs> unless we're positive, <laughs> we're going to be right. But we said uh, the number one question is going to be, about uh, uh, East uh, uh, Palestine and uh, why it took so long for the for uh, uh, the Secretary of Transportation to respond and and uh, the president, you know, why he hasn't been there, and that was probably the number one question yesterday. Here's uh, one moment with uh, Corinne Jean Pierre. Two questions. Um, first of all, the president frequently visits the sites of 
many natural and man-made disasters. And this situation in East Palestine has clearly required a multi-agency uh, response from the federal and the state level. So I guess I'm just struggling to understand why the president wouldn't go to East Palestine. It, does it simply not meet the bar for a presidential visit? Look, I don't... I, I, it, I want to be very clear here. Um, All right, first tick that she does. Uh-huh. I, 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 I want to be very clear here. That's where she's stalling. Mm-hmm. You know that we've noticed that before. That's one thing that she does on a consistent basis when she doesn't know how to answer. And again, she's looking down and flipping through the book. Right. Uh, it's just it. The look is horrible, and it is. It has always been horrible. And you saw that more uh, from the uh, the uh, press department are leaving the White House. Yeah, and she's not. No, I, but, I, I, but I was surprised she wasn't the first to announce she yeah. was leaving. And then, then more this year. Here we go. Um, there's no reason to struggle, I don't think, on this question. I think when you look at how the federal agents, agencies have responded from day one and took this very seriously. And then took this very seriously. Those are probably uh, that I want to be very clear here and we take this very seriously mm-hmm are two of the phrases that she uses as a crutch consistently when she is not going to answer your question. Yeah, right. Well, and then she also does see, she folds in the, as we have been saying, as we have been talking about, as we Even though they haven't been talking about it. No, I mean, it's (laughs) what she's actually saying is, well, you're not paying attention. It's a form of gaslighting. You know, and this, uh, it's, that is a, basically, it's almost like mocking the reporter. Like, how could you ask such a stupid question as she looks through her book of answers? Good, then give me a stupid answer. What page is it on? Just hand us a copy of the book. Well, there's nothing in it. <laughs> it's like I never forget. Yeah, during, no, it says I, I never forget during the Clinton administration. Somebody sent me a book one time, and it was like uh, the accomplishments of of the Bill Clinton administration. And every page inside the book is blank. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, every page starts with um, "I want to be clear." Yeah. And uh, the uh, uh, an initial report on the. Uh, uh, from the NTSB again, and this is something that the left and uh, and the NTSB had said early on they believed it was uh, you know wheel bearings, yeah, overheating and, uh, yeah. of the wheel bearings, and, and they're saying that uh, there had been complaints about this leading up to the crash, and so I think that's how they knew early on. And the head of the NTSB actually said that because Jake Tapper asked her that specific question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She goes, well, that had nothing to do with it. Right. And that's what they've been pounding on. And then everything else they've been pounding on, you know, the whole thing that they, they he actually, you know, it, it became a, a liberal shopping list, mm-hmm. uh, in, including the fact that, uh, you know, there has to be more, uh, you know, personal time for rail workers. Yeah. And, you know, everything that we went through in December you know, with that with that contract, and it's like it just became. And so, you know, the the uh, 
it just drives me crazy when people say they're politicizing it. Well, yeah, you politicize everything. That's a given. If you if politicians don't politicize something, that would be the headline because yeah. they're politicians, so they're always going to be accused of politicizing. It's what is accurate in their statements for a politician to use the truth. And somebody say, he's politicizing it by saying this. Well, I don't care. Is it the truth? Right. Politicizing something by saying, I'm telling you the truth and the other person isn't, and that politician is actually telling you the truth, is good politicizing of an issue. If you don't know what's going on, or you ignore, as Buttigieg did early on, the the, the very, very early analysis of the NTSB, and you say it's something else, and the NTSB hasn't said that, that is bad. Mm politicalization of of an issue end right. of story but right. let's let's just uh let's just stop with it uh it's you know it's to say it's a the, the other thing that gets that that got to me early this week again is uh, because i saw it on facebook a couple times was the whole thing of social security and medicaid they're calling them entitlements they're not entitlements you've earned it mm-hmm. which why they call them entitlements it's a true entitlement. Yeah, Don't confuse it with entitlement, entitlement mentality. mentality. So those are the two things that oh that got yeah. to me this week. It was, right. was that one early? I think that one was Monday where I went. I saw it again. Mm-hmm. It's making the rounds again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like and and the and whenever it's on Facebook or Twitter, everybody, you're so right. You're so right. How dare they call it an entitlement program? Do we even think <laughs> anymore? Yeah, right. And and so I just, uh, you know, but this whole thing, they're politicizing it. Well, yes, they're politicians. It's going to be political. Eric and Gary, they're, they're talking again. Come on, all you do is talk the entire <laughs> show. What is going on? Right. Stop talking. Play some music. <laughs> What happened? Where's the band? <laughs> How come all I hear on your talk show is talk? Stop talking. I mean, this is sometimes we don't realize, you know, uh, it, it's it's like it just takes a moment to say, well, wait a minute, they're mm-hmm. politicians. Mm-hmm. They do. Okay. Anything they say, they'll be accused of politicizing it. So yeah. I don't care whether they politicize something. Yeah. It's whether they're telling the truth in politicizing something, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. I want to get elected because I believe this is the way things should go. They believe this should go that way. I'm telling you the truth. They're lying. Right. Well, if they are lying and you are telling the truth, well, that's good and I should vote for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or that should be a reason I should consider voting for you. Not the only reason, but it should be one of the reasons. Yeah. You're telling me the truth. And the other people are not. So, uh, yeah, this isn't. It's it's not going to uh, go good. And then what's going to happen is they're just going to be pounding on this over and over again. Mm. And then next week the president will visit when he feels that he is forced to politically, because they react to everything. They are not proactive. Everything is a reaction. The only thing that I will say would be would be proactive. Is the fact, and I and I do believe the reason that he went to Ukraine is again is a reaction to, you know, he was pro- proactive is that in, in that he went and nobody knew he was going to go and nobody was begging him to go, right, uh, or telling him that he should go. 
but it was still, I believe, in reaction to all the bad things domestically going on. So it was still a political reaction in some manner or form. But that would be, as, as a political consultant, that would be the first thing. And maybe that's maybe that's why they can't find uh, a political consultant to lead. Uh, they've gone through th- the three people have refused already uh, to be part of you know his uh, his political team because they've told him what he doesn't want. You react to everything. You're not proactive. Every and, and everything you are proactive on, the polling shows the American public hates. And that's what a political consultant worth their salt and not just a yes person to collect a check would tell the president. Right. But the problem with this president is that you can't tell him anything. He's defiant at every turn. I think internally, uh, it stands to reason that there is internal strife because you can't control the guy. And every time you throw something at him, he gets defiant. Then you put him in front of the media and he says, they told me I can't talk about that. (laughs) You know, I mean... That's, has, has that ever, has that ever happened in, in, in I'll, I'll say this right now, I won't ask the question. Hmm. I don't believe that's ever happened in the modern history of presidents that I can remember, and that takes us all the way back to Kennedy, hmm. that I remember. Hmm. I don't remember anyone ever saying they told me not to talk about it right? as president and of the United is, States. And he says it at every turn. Yeah. On major issues. By the way, in that early story we talked about game on with Marianne Williamson mm-hmm. running, I did in my head, you know, and it's not going to happen, but I was thinking, could you imagine her as the nominee on the stage with DeSantis? Yeah. And then I thought, could you imagine her on the stage with Trump? Trump, you know, walking back and forth the way the way he does looking going, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah, right. Her? Seriously? Mm. <laughs> well, Mr. Trump, do you believe then, you just said that sarcastic comment towards her, do you believe that she's not in her prime? She's mm. never been in her prime. Yeah, right. There's <laughs> never been a prime. And if there is a prime, this is it. It's not going to get any better. Yeah, this is as good as it gets. It's- Prime or no prime, this is not getting any better. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm telling you, just uh, what a zoo of a day uh, it was yesterday. But, yeah, and the, the whole – when the NTSB came out, it's like, well, okay, everything Buttigieg says is 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 wrong. Yeah. He, was, he was politicizing it in a bad way, and that's how you view it. You can politicize something in a good way or a bad way. Uh, he knew because he knew early on because the NTSB within a week had a couple of days had what they thought was the preliminary reason. Right. And and now at their initial report that's actually come in backs up what they said early mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. So Buttigieg knew that. And he just made something up. I'm right. going to make up what it is uh, because uh, I'm going to make up what it is and then throw a whole bunch of other things that have nothing to do with this accident. Well, that's bad. That's bad politics. Right. When you're right. not being honest with the American public, and it's that simple. 
Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, Jennifer Hamadi of the NTSB said is we call things accidents, but everything we investigate is 100% preventable. And so you look at this one and say, okay, all right, um, you know, what were the warning signs and, and, and what do you do going forward? But I thought that was interesting because I extrapolate that out to everything that the NTSB gets involved in and investigates. And it's if you go back and read reports of, of different types of, of crashes, not, not just a train derailment, but uh, when a plane crashes and, and comes down and, and the cause of it, these are, you know, at this point, there has to be, there likely will be a huge push on uh, chemicals and, and how they're transported. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's beyond the equipment failure. You know, that's kind of what they're handling. Then it will be okay. Should we be putting chemicals on trains? Should we be, I mean, that's going to be the call. You know, already if you look at trucking and, and hazmat materials, uh, you know, all that stuff has to move. It has to go. It has to, you have to take it somewhere. And a lot of that stuff is, um, you know, if you talk about uh, herbicides and pesticides, it's in concentrated form. I have friends that drive trucks, and they're hauling very dangerous stuff, you know. But when it comes to the forefront through a, a crash or a derailment like this, there's going to be a calling for more regulation. I guess we'll see where it goes for rail. Eight six six ninety red eye Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. Uh, the uh, NTSB chair who said that, you know, everything that they investigated could have been prevented. Mm-hmm. What does that actually mean? Yeah, because, t- yeah, because, well, because there's a cost-benefit analysis to everything that is that is that that is done mm-hmm. and sure. and and if you slowed down for example automobile accidents mm-hmm. you could have a lot i mean every single automobile accident could be prevented mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. somebody makes a mistake or uh, there's an equipment failure or a tire is you know is is blown and you know something was dropped on the street and the tire was if that thing wasn't on the street then the tire wouldn't have blown. Mm-hmm. What exactly does that mean that every accident could be prevented? I mean, I, and I think that's her point, is that there are a number of things that are involved in every accident. Right. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now... It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we're Red Eye Radio. Welcome. Good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. All right, so just want to play the important part of uh, NTSB uh, Chair Jennifer Hamaday yesterday uh, and what they initially believe is the cause of the train derailment uh, in um, 
Ohio, and Jake Tapper had asked her about the uh, EC brake system that uh, you had Buttigieg bring up very, very early. Well, not very early. Very early when he decided to cover the topic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, the things that he... And, and everybody knew it from the beginning because as soon as he said it, he was fact-checked. We fact-checked him, and it was easy to do so because mm. when we first saw it, what he had said, we simply went to the NTSB website, and there it was right there. And this is a couple of days after that they believed that it was uh, overheated wheel bearings. It had nothing to do with the ECP brakes. And so he was using that uh, in a bad political way. But he asked that question to the chair of the NTSB. But for this investigation and for this derailment, ECP brakes would not have prevented the derailment. The wheel bearing failed on car number 23. So even with ECP brakes, the derailment would have occurred, the fire would have ensued, and the five vinyl chloride tank cars would still have to be vented and burned. So it wouldn't have made a difference. Yeah. You know, I, I just, I'm not... I'm not doubting uh, what she said when I'd said earlier on. I said, I'd love to ask her the question where she said every accident, that every accident they've ever investigated could have been prevented. Yeah. Uh, And and it's interesting because I am, I think I have watched every single episode of when airplanes crash. Mm -hmm. Not because, uh, you know, I'm a weird kind of person, but I love the I love how the NTSB works. They are probably, when you think about it, one of the few federal government agencies that has not been completely and totally politicized. Their answers are in engineering terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a history of having people with investigative mindsets. What caused it? And when you see how many, when you see how many airplane accidents in the past have been because of pilot error, it's really, I mean, you're, you're shocked. Yeah. Pilot error, human error. Uh, there was one, um, where the, uh, they did not shut a door properly, did not set, um, uh, the pre- the pressurization didn't happen because of the setting on the door. They didn't, basically didn't close the door properly somebody on the ground and you know and a number of things you know and and she went on to say look it's she talked about it could be through regulation or policy or a a number of things going forward but it's too early to say if you look at the nature of what ntsb does that's what they do they bring about and then uh the investigation and from the investigation suggests that you know, okay, this is this needs to change. This part of whatever the process is or whatever the equipment is needs to change. And that's that happens with every accident. Here's the recommended change. And so it, you know, it, it okay, you build uh, better in this case, could it ch- uh, changing the the sensors on the warning system on the uh overheating uh, of the of the axle, uh, by that time, it was too late. By the time the crew was alerted and she was pretty clear, 
that she does not put this on the crew. Yeah, the crew did everything they were yeah, supposed to do. Because yes. they didn't right. get the alert until late. And so then my question would be, okay, then the other sensors along the track as uh, as uh, this this part of the equipment is heating up, um, do you set those sensors lower? Uh, you know, what technology is available to, to do that, right? Um, and how quickly does it get to a point of heating up, you know, when the bearings go and the, the axle starts to heat up, then how fast is that process? Could it happen between sensors where it's, you know, it happens so quickly it wasn't going to be detected? All of these things, and, and then you get into the, the building of the equipment. All this is exactly what the NTSB does. And so it is to say that they're there to do a job to investigate why it happened and then bring about change to prevent it from happening again. When you um, uh, look at the NTSB and and uh, how many, for example, looking at, because they're most known for airplane crashes. Right. I mean, they're involved in other yeah. things, but they're most right. known for, for airplane crashes. And as has been stated many times when it's an engineering malfunction, they fix it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so all the planes have to go in and get whatever they need to get done. They get done. Mm-hmm. So now you've got hundreds of thousands of parts, you know, in, in, in an airplane. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you, when you have, they say every single accident, airplane accident makes the airline industry safer. Because yeah. of the NTSB, yep. Because they fix that problem, and fix that problem, yep. and fix that problem, and mm-hmm. fix that problem. Yep. And and you think about it, uh, I I can't remember the last commercial airline crash right now. I don't even know. Normally, you would know. Okay, the one. Mm-hmm. Si- I'm I'm going back. Oh, the one six months ago. The one two years ago. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the last major airline crash. Right. And you know, you say to yourself, okay, the combination of technology i mean it's amazing when you look at now i mean just the the um oh uh what do you call the uh the the radar that uh uh that detects the storm bursts the thunderstorm bursts right i can't yeah. think of the name of the radar yeah uh but uh you you see it when you go into dfw airport it's mm-hmm. like a flat thing sitting right there mm-hmm. um and the um you know you don't see those things happening anymore they stay away right what do you call it the microbursts mm-hmm. yeah from uh from right it. Right. Uh, you just you don't see those accidents anymore. Right. And they were when you think about how you know how many just uh, that I remember in the sixties and seventies. I remember the one here at DFW, mm-hmm. and I was watching it the other day, and they had an I can't remember what it was. Oh, it was New Orleans. It was that New Orleans airplane crash mm. in the seventies that took off and went right into the neighborhood, and that was a microburst that brought mm-hmm. it down. Mm-hmm. Well, the new radar would catch it these days. Right. And and so, you know, that's something that has come out of technology and the avoidance of those particular areas. That's and, and that's it. That's the you know, the point of everything is a hundred percent preventable. So you can take what you learn and prevent it from happening again with technology and changes. And those are the things that, that we measure, you know, um during COVID Doppler radar. Doppler, yeah. Um the Entire, you know, um, idea of assessing our own risk went out the door during COVID. 
you know, it was like, okay, we'll, we'll hand it over to, uh, you know, government officials and, and other people to tell us what risk we're going to take. And it seemed to be for too many people, uh, the willingness to sit down and just wait for somebody to tell them they could move again. Well, we take risks every single day. Countless people get on planes and count even more get in a car, which is far more dangerous. Well, you look, and, and when she says, you know, every accident can be uh, uh, prevented. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget when I was in driver education and uh, the driver ed teacher told me, if you do what you're supposed to do every time you get in the car, you should never, ever get into an accident. Right. If you're paying full attention. Mm-hmm. Well, people don't. But you could make cars a lot safer, but there's there's a cost benefit and a real world analysis. For mm-hmm. example, there's no reason, you know, speed. I would like to see the statistics of, you know, speed. You know, if all cars went 10 miles an hour, how many people would die mm-hmm. inside an automobile? Well, if all people Very- did, as your instructor said, what they're right. supposed to do right. exactly if everybody did what they're you supposed know, it's to do preventable but but if but if you decrease well the reason that you know you know if i bring up decreased speed not that it's ever going to happen people don't be ridiculous mm-hmm. well there you go the real world mm-hmm. so it's not about people not dying mm-hmm. it's about the fact that the masses want convenience and i want to be able to go exactly 70 miles an hour i never go 74 75 i want to make that Known to any law enforcement, I never go that slow. Who might who might pull me over on the mm-hmm. way home? Mm-hmm. But going seventy miles an hour, you're actually safer if you're going fifty five. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, people like going seventy. I like going seventy because I get home a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it may only be five or six or seven minutes in the drive that I have, but it's like, oh, I want that. Mm-hmm. And then if I get in an automobile accident and I get severely injured, I'll say, well, I don't like the speed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but for the fa- the reality is I do like it. And that's, you know, that's the real world. So anything you can totally decrease the number of people who die in in accidents and accidents in general, but it's the cost benefit analysis that people initially like this will say, well, that doesn't mean anything, but it does if, you know, it skyrockets through the roof. For example, the cost benefit of analysis of the Democrats of saving the world in climate change. Mm-hmm. But we're trying to save the world. Costs shouldn't matter. Mm-hmm. Well, there's great doubts as to whether they're saving the world. <laughs> yeah, because they're not bringing evidence like an NTSB. No, they're bring. not. They're not bringing the evidence. But But even the people that believe it. Because that's the point. The people that believe that the world is coming to an end, very few are willing to pay the cost to do it. And that's the reality. You know, on, on air, when you look at any type of engineering designs, if you inspected planes every week or every day fully, you'd probably lower, you know, the, the, uh, the number of crashes or accidents based on anything engineering in a plane. Mm-hmm or any faulty thing that happened in the manufacturing process that they missed. But the fact is, the cost-benefit analysis isn't there to inspect it all the time. Because airplane costs, you know, to get on a a flight would go through the roof. Mm -hmm. 
and then people wouldn't like it. And so convenience, being comfortable, let's be honest, every radio and every huge sound system should be taken out of every car. <laughs> well, I mean, they uh, the the every city on the planet, has, or I can say in the States, has a no texting while driving law. Yeah. And, but you can, you know, you can look at your GPS. You well, can look at your screen. You can look at your dash. You can right. look down. You can... And, you know, this is where, and I think to um, to her point, uh, you could apply this. Now, this isn't NTSB uh, recommendation, but the OEMs of cars, what have they done? Well, okay, now uh, they have projected the a lot of the uh, dash activity up to the windshield, uh, you know, the lower part of the windshield, so you can monitor things without having to move your head in a big way and have and take your eyes off the road you know uh there are a number of things that that uh the technologies that have been uh implemented uh these elements have been implemented and features have been implemented into um you know not just cars and planes but big rigs and everything else a lot of what we see with fully automated autonomous vehicles they're already here and by the way have been here for a while but those technologies, the features are implemented into the vehicles we drive that aren't fully automated. And so you get a warning system, lane departure, uh, you know, rear camera, all this. And your vehicle basically sees what's going on or shows you what's going on. And these are all of the things that we look and, and you know, that's the idea. I, th- I, you know, I think uh, the NTSB takes a look at it and says, "Okay, here's what we have. We're, you know, this this is the evidence, and then applies it to us, uh, uh, basically as a traveling public. What is, uh, you know, what are what are going to be the norms and demands for uh, travel, right? For going places, transportation." And then you apply that and say, okay, these are the trends and this is what we see and this is how we make it safer. I, I, I think it's fascinating and it is very scary. There's a YouTube channel that is dedicated to recreating with the simulator. They use the flight simulator software, mm-hmm. but they, they recreate plane crashes and go back to the reports and then at the end and tell you what change was brought about as a result of what they learned about that particular crash. Yep, that's, yep. And those are things that, um, you know, is it, that's what is, is great, is that we have people that are very skilled. The NTSB is the top in the world at what they do. One, you know, one more thing on convenience and cost-benefit analysis. Remember that uh, the, all, all the, uh, the, the laws that were passed for not having a cell phone to your ear. Mm-hmm. Well, Everybody now has, Mm -hmm. every modern car has a speakerphone. Mm -hmm. The difference between holding your phone to your ear and having the speakerphone is hardly any difference at all. Mm -hmm. So there's accidents are still being caused by people being on their phones. Mentally distracted. Mentally distracted by it. Did I just go through a red light or not? It's having the conversation. Mm -hmm. But the imagery of holding the phone convinced politicians 
all across the entire United States to ban you from doing that. Mm -hmm. But there's really not much of a difference between that and a speakerphone, but they know the public won't go for no speakerphones in the car. Right. So, again, that's the real world and the cost-benefit analysis, you know, that on anything that probably could save a lot of lives, as could speed. Everybody go sure. 40 miles an hour. Sure. Yeah, I mean, everybody go 30 the miles Yes, B right. does, yeah. Um, that's right, that's it, the, the policymakers reacting emotionally to a public that doesn't want to give up their phones. Yeah, which is ridiculous. Right. 866-90-RED-EYE. Most owner-operators leased to larger carriers are paid on a per-mile basis or a percentage of revenue per load. The per-mile basis is most prevalent among larger fleets. Percentage at smaller. Pay per mile tends to dominate discussions about pay just because it's easier to measure. And pay per mile often is wrongly used as the deciding factor in leasing to a carrier. While pay per mile can be a vital factor, it's not a cure for every ill. Nor does it mean a big settlement check is coming an owner-operator's way. Why? Because pay-per-mile always must be considered in balance with gross revenue as well as total costs. Gross revenue can include flat mileage pay, mileage pay that varies by length of haul, percentage revenue pay, and more. Most importantly, though, for every revenue dollar generated, only part of that dollar is profit. But for every extra dollar of cost saved, the entire dollar contributes to profit. Knowing and understanding your cost to operate is fundamental to understanding the true value of any pay package. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Uh, uh, coming up here, uh, the uh, Rolling Stone magazine article that cancel culture is good for democracy. It's, you know, what I love about the left, if you can't argue a point, change the definition of what cancel culture is and then yeah. say it's good for democracy. Right, yeah. Just, just, this is so, my gosh, these are, this is kindergarten mentality but we'll hit that and more coming up What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. On your smart speaker, say, play Red Eye Radio. And, if you're really nice, she might. Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. This article's actually pretty hilarious here from uh, from uh, from Rolling Stone. Hmm. Uh, a guy by the name of Erst Owens. Why cancel culture is good for democracy. Hmm. 
For many years, cancel culture has been despised or misconstrued as a new phenomenon that's causing havoc on free speech expression uh, and speech. We're supposed to now assume that we can't say or do anything without an angry mob instantly judging us and preparing to end our careers before they start. In actual fact, we are the people who make up the so-called mob and we have control of our own actions. Cancel culture has leveled the playing field for those who can't always rely on the government to protect them. Right now, bigots are protected under the First Amendment to fuel disgusting rhetoric without state-sanctioned consequence. The America that tolerated white supremacy in their policies, which was the Democratic Party, by the way, Mm. and laws is the same country that wants to remind us uh, how such forms of hate are still legal via free speech. Cancel culture is a poison to those in power that have benefited from unchecked free speech. When conservatives on Fox News declare that it's a free country and that cancel culture is un-American, they forget the speech works two ways. It allows for discourse to take place, but grants all voices can be heard. In other words, straight white men and other people with power aren't used to getting pushback for the ways that they conduct themselves, and cancel culture has reset the way society can react. Those who fear cancel culture may claim they fear suppression of speech, but it's accountability that they want to avoid. Oh, boy, I can't wait mm. to uh, <clears throat> have fun with this here. Mm-hmm. Um, when uh, British media personality Piers Morgan publicly attacked Meghan Markle the, uh, on a March, 20, uh, March 21 episode of Good Morning Britain, he didn't expect the immediate backlash or that he'd soon be exiting the show. Uh, Morgan slammed Markle for seeming to criticize the royal family and complaining about the bigotry she faced within the family and from the British press. Many viewed Morgan's comments as insensitive to Markle's mental health and racially insensitive, given often the racist coverage she'd faced from British tabloids as a black woman. The station had received over 57,000 complaints regarding Morgan's comments from disappointed viewers, including one from Markle herself. Public pressure is speculated to have played a role in Morgan abruptly leaving Good Morning uh, Britain. Cancel culture as we consider it today feels new because of the digital platforms we have at our disposal. Previous generations were canceling, but the road to accountability was paid with many barriers, both technologically and socially. It was hard to fully cancel something when you weren't granted the same civil rights as your opponent, even more so when you could face even more uh, persecution and exile for doing it. Once the Internet began uh, to take off in the 1990s, society began to see a shift in how the public could consider canceling with less gatekeeping. Those who fear cancel culture claim that they fear suppression of speech, but it's accountability they want to avoid. That's the second time that he uh, they put that in there. So he continues uh, uh, with that and, and um, on, on the exact same uh, uh, narrative. Now, as we have stated before, uh, slavery was wrong. And because if you were a, if Jim Crow laws were, were wrong, and the fact that you didn't have the power to speak, you now have the power to speak. Mm-hmm. Both sides have the power to speak, and both sides have a media platform that will promote them. To compare and say that, as we have said many, and if you listen to this show, we're conservative slash libertarian. 
we believe that the Democratic Party and the policies that they promote are insane, and we explain precisely why we don't do it in generalities. When we say the other side is race-baiting and involved in racist activities, we back it up with precise debate points. Uh, when you look at somebody like um, uh, Ben Shapiro, Ben Shapiro is not racist and or anti-Semitic in any way. Because it seems like he's using the race argument here as the totality of of his of his argument. Uh, ben Shapiro doesn't do it. Most most people who call themselves conservative that are mainstream, which means they have a big audience, uh, and have been uh, the victims of the cancel culture, are promoting individuality and autonomy. They disagree with the left, the left who is all about bigotry and racism based on their identity politics and their insistence on judging people by groups and not individuals. The conservative side that is canceled the most because conservatives, we don't want to cancel anybody. Somebody was, I was talking to somebody the other day who said, oh, they should take Don Lemon off CNN. He's an embarrassment. I said, well, that's her decision. I don't want him off. I don't want any liberal to be silenced. We've talked about this many times before. It's the last thing we want. I think it's probably the last thing CNN wants. He's the only thing anyone is talking about at CNN. But if Piers Morgan gets let go for something that he has said on the air. That's always existed. The cancel culture is when you say, we don't want to allow a person to speak in any public forum. That's different than a private company, for whatever reason, stating, nah, that's not the direction we want to go. Nah, we don't like, that's happened on music stations. We don't like your morning show, it's too mean. Or we don't like your morning show because... It doesn't have any listeners. Yeah, exactly. That would be another reason. It's too mean and, that does, and, and advertisers don't want it. That's a different ball game. It's a different ball game than wanting to forcibly, through violence, stop somebody from speaking on public property when they have a permit to do so. And everybody, irrespective of their political affiliation, has been invited to that public place. It is not about being afraid of accountability. The people that actually don't want... It's about the fact that the left... And he knows this. He's not stupid. Mr. Owens knows this. It's a fact that the left doesn't want to have to explain to the public precisely what they believe. And it's conservatives that are calling them out. Well, And what Owens is doing here, too, is is also uh, starting on the wrong premise and on on a couple of points and i've said for years that when you start on the wrong premise that everything beyond that may sound logical but it's still wrong and this idea that well hate speech is protected well there what is their definition what is his definition of hate speech would it be the stand-up routines of a dave Chappelle? because that's the cancel culture yes 
he came out and used and talked about biology. He's a comedian. But they wanted him gone. They wanted his livelihood to end. And that is the cancel culture. It is any, not just dissent, but thought that isn't theirs, thought that does not belong in their agenda, should be shut down. And people should have their livelihood taken from them. He writes here, the potential for cancel culture is democracy uncensored and unchained. Despite how critics have tried to represent it, cancel culture is not cyberbullying or doxing. Of course it is. Yes, it is. This is where he changes the definition of cancel culture in order to make his point. I'll just make it up as I go along. liberals do all the time. We're going to change the definition of that particular word. Right. Woman, we can't define it anymore. Cancel culture gives us a chance to engage in new and exciting ways. No, it doesn't. It does the opposite. No. And we believe the cancel culture exists because the left knows they can't win the argument in the arena of ideas with the people if challenged by conservatives to say, tell us exactly how you believe, for example. And when they have opened up over the last couple of years, as we have seen, a biological male can be a biological male because or biological female because he says so. Mm. Everybody knows that's idiocy. Right. And so what did they do to do it? They they bully people into the fact that if you don't agree with this, as we saw, you want the cancel culture? The cancel culture has affected the left. You think those swimmers for the Ivy League are conservative libertarians? Right. The women? And many have said, we're liberal, but this is insane. Antifa we're- showing up at the door of, of Tucker Carlson at his home? You know, these are the things that, because what he's trying to do here is say that cancel culture is simply dissent. It's simply opposing view, and it's coming from the perspective of the side that is wanting to shut down dissent of any kind. I know. What he's trying to say (laughs) is, no, cancel culture is simply dissent and opposition in opinion. Right. No, it is not. As, as if cancel culture is the fact that conservatives don't want the other side to be heard. Right. I mean, it's completely, it's completely posterior backwards. No, he took, and he knows it. He took, yeah. in fact, he took the entire wave of the pushback against cancel culture and tried to pretend it was their side and that's their position and that they're the ones that are not looking to do any harm. When you're looking to shut down anything and everything from a comedian's livelihood to uh, opposing views on a channel they don't even watch, Mm -hmm. then that is cancel culture. Look, we, we talked about the president of the United States. And every single Democratic major leader, without any objection from any Democrat, lying about the Georgia election I was law just about to, to create that. to yep. create uh, racial division mm-hmm. and hatred based on a lie, mm-hmm. as we have stated before. That's what KKK leaders did. Mm-hmm. If Mister Owens knows anything about history, that's what white supremacist groups did. They lied about something to cause 
hatred between the races based on a lie. That's what the president did. We have never called, even though we find it despicable, we have never called for that type of horrendous, despicable speech to be banned. No. Because we want people to know exactly where the president of the United States and the Democratic leadership and the mainstream of the Democratic Party, what they believe. We don't want them to shut up. We want them to promote their bigotry and their hatred and, and, they, their, and, and their stereotyping. And, 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 and from the president on down, the entire party got on board. Major League Baseball got on the board. Yep. Uh, got on board to the point. That they canceled the All-Star game and moved it to another state. Yes. And hurt hundreds of black businesses in Atlanta. Right. They didn't care. No, they didn't. All that mattered was the lie. And the law, voters, including black voters in Georgia, are okay with. They're okay with the law. Yeah, yeah. Nobody had any complaints. Not one one rating... That the last election uh, was uh, was uh, was poor from uh, from from uh, there were more uh, whites were like almost one percent mm-hmm. there was zero percent not one black voter in the uh, the analysis from the University of Georgia right afterward not one right. could they find who said their experience was uh, was uh, was poor that's and cancel we, culture and, and we know voting was through the roof right and and so uh, uh, the other thing is what. Um, Mr. Owens doesn't talk about is the end game. And we've seen the end game in Canada. Mm-hmm. We've seen the end game oh, in yeah. California. Right. If you don't use, in fact, if you don't use what we tell you to do, we'll put you in jail. If you don't use the precise language, that's also part of the cancel culture. Not only must you not speak this way, but if you do, we will put you and in jail. Owens implies that with talk, talking about hate speech being protected. That implies he believes that it shouldn't be, which means he believes there should be laws against speech. Yep. But they weren't promoting hate speech. Nope. They were promoting biological truth. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. So uh, it's interesting that even on cancel culture, and this is something that we have said, the left cannot tell the American public what they really feel. They have for a while. Mm-hmm. And then they had to start, as we see in the Biden administration, they're backing off, and now they're lying about what cancel culture is. Yeah. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. 
This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here. Download our Red Eye Radio app today if you can't listen live overnight, which, of course, is the preferred method. Because then you're with us, and we feel like we have company. But if not, you can listen when and where you want uh, on our podcast, which is our show, and our show, which is our podcast. Mm -hmm. There you go. And thank you. All right. I'm still laughing at the headline that got no publicity this week. Joe Manchin announces he's not running for president. That's <laughs> nobody cared about that. No, nobody was asking the old press conference. I just want to announce that I am not running for president. <laughs> Does anyone have any questions? <laughs> yeah, was was anybody actually asking you to run for president? All um, right. Now, no. This is this is almost <laughs> as good mm-hmm. as and and we have talked about the evolution of, you know, illegal immigration. That it went from illegal immigration to undocumented immigrant to mm. immigrant and then tested for a very short time in California. What was it? Temporary displaced traveler. That's right. Now there's a new one. Oh. And we have to thank Justin Trudeau, Prime Minister of Canada, for coming up with this. He says he and Joe Biden will discuss stemming the flow of irregular migration into Canada when the president visits Ottawa next month. All right. Irregular migration. Okay. <laughs> what? Because he can't say illegal, can he? No. Well, let me ask him. Is it legal? <laughs> well, this, I, you know this I, migration. I, I want. I I believe Justin Trudeau should know that even using the term uh, irregular migration, uh, uh, that is still xenophobic. Yes, and we want to make that clear. That well, by the Democrat right. by the Democrat liberal standard, I want to make that clear. That's right. Why, right. Yes. Right. Well. You know, uh, keep Canada, Canada, you know, <laughs> that's what I would say. <laughs> uh, uh, for those, for those, for our friends up north listening, uh, uh-huh. that's what uh, Vice President Harris uh, called Canada a couple of weeks ago, Canada, just in case you didn't hear that. Mm. We know mm. you're Canadian, but it was. Wasn't it, uh, wasn't it Jean-Pierre that said that? Oh, it was Jean-Pierre. Yeah. Okay. All right. She may have said All it, right. too. No, you're right. Harris was, may no, have right. said that it at was, some point, No, you're too. right. It was Jean-Pierre. Yeah. I got you. Thank you for correcting me. Yeah. All right. We were talking about uh, the the the, uh, the cancel culture and more of the Rolling Stone article. I want to go to this call here. We go to Brandon in Longview, Washington. Brandon, welcome. You're on Red Eye Radio. Welcome to the show. Hi. Well, how are you doing? I, I love listening to you guys. You guys make me chuckle every night. Thank Th- you very much for what you do. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Hey, um... Quick question for you. Um, everywhere I hear, I live in Washington State, so this is an incredibly liberal state. And um, I've kind of noticed with the uh, the whole liberal everything out there, all they have is words. You know, that's it. And I kind of put up to the analogy of, 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 uh, of a mother having a, a child in, in a Walmart, and the child's throwing a fit. The mother can either turn around and uh, coddle the child and, 
uh, play into the fit or she can walk away and the child will finally realize that, uh, you know, the fit isn't working and it'll shut up and it'll figure it out. Do you, do you think that that might be the way to counter the uh, whole leftist um, hate mongering and everything they do? Well, well, before be, before we get there, let you know that uh, I love Longview, Washington. Uh, when I lived in in Portland, golfed a lot at uh, Three Rivers. Uh, oh, nice! Yeah, Three, yeah. Three Rivers Golf Course. Had dinner one night at the Long or the uh, the uh, Longview Country Club. Uh, played yeah. uh, Lewis River a lot. Played Tri Mountain down yeah. on uh, five as you head to uh, to Portland. So a lot of great golf in Washington State. I would say, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And I, for the record, I don't like your state at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Well, jeez, that that's came, why, that came why, out of nowhere. That's why I've never been there, and I'm not going. Oh, uh, I have. I have to tell you too. I'm just uh, uh, the the story of Mount St. Helens made it so. As an adult now, if mm-hmm. I could have had other choices as a profession, would have been a basketball coach because I love basketball. Or because yeah. of Mount St. Helens, a geologist. I can't tell you. Now, I lived in Portland from from 97 to 2000. So I spent yeah. a lot of time hiking the mud flows of Mount St. Helens. And you go to the, the uh, Johnston Observatory there, and you look into the, yeah. the crater. Mm. And I'm like, I don't need to go anywhere. And I don't need to go anywhere to see any other site when you look into the crater yeah. of Mount St. Helens. Yeah. By the but, way, the reporting well, on that, yeah. uh, legendary reporting by none other than Lars Larson on that back then, yeah, back yeah, in the day. He yeah, was a Lars, TV reporter yeah, Lars, and did excellent work. Lars did great. And I, in, in my house, when you walk into my house, hmm. the the picture that, that you walk in in the front room is a black and white picture of Mount St. Helens taken by Roger Worth, who I still believe is a photographer hmm. for the Longview newspaper. Yeah. And I was doing – I was in a charity function – I can't remember what the charity was. I know it was for kids. I can't remember what it was. And you could bid for this picture. And I bid hundreds of dollars for it mm-hmm. and didn't win the bid. Somebody bid above me. Oh. But I kept my donation and donated it. Mm. A month later, I'm sitting at home and this big package comes. And he signed it, the, the picture. And it's one of the most, it's one of the, probably internationally, it's the one picture that was everywhere. Mm. A complete yeah, frame yeah. picture. He said, I heard you put in your donation anyway, even though you didn't win the bid, mm-hmm. you know, here's the picture. And that's one of my, one of my prize possessions. But let me tell yeah, you this about, I remember uh, I was, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was, I was, I was 10 years old when Mount St. Helens blew up and I watched the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Camas. Oh, so okay. Yeah. The whole thing. And, yeah. uh, wow. when the ash came down to this day, I still have a big bottle of ash that I scraped off our car and, uh, wow. it's in a big glass milk, uh, container. Mm-hmm. That I've had ever since ever since May 1980. Wow! And uh, it's sitting in my house. It's it's never it's never moved. My wow. my piece of history. Wow! And, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah as yeah, as it was, it's, it's very memorable. Yeah. As to as to your question, I would say no. And the reason I say that is from personal experience. Uh, the left, for example, talked about the systemic racism in police departments. They followed Black Lives Matter, and there was a wall of intimidation uh-huh. that nobody speak in any way. Companies got behind it. Sports leagues got behind it. The only group of people that really did not get behind it and exposed that lie and what Black Lives Matter was about really on the forefront was conservative talk radio challenging it every day and papers like the New York Post and uh, the uh, National Review, New York Post, 
and a Wall Street Journal opinion page were really the only ones in the country that didn't buy into that lie. So I would say, no, you never shut up on the liberal transgender activist movement. Eric and I have been talking about this and said how it would destroy liberal feminism for 10 years. We've been warning that this is coming. Critical race theory, identity politics, where it would lead. It's been conservative talk radio that's been on the lead of never shutting up about it. And then, for example, on the liberal transgender activist movement, as Eric and I were talking about it, because when we saw what you wanted to talk about, Eric, you brought up, you know, Dave Chappelle and how Dave Chappelle really yeah, brought yeah. that in to the mainstream of America. And now yeah. when the discussion comes up and you explain what critical race theory is, when you explain what the liberal transgender activist movement, you have landslide numbers of people against it. So, no, I think you have to challenge their insanity. And and one thing that I, I think, okay. Brandon, that you left out of your example, your analogy with a parent and an unruly child in a store uh, one option that you didn't uh, bring up for that parent is discipline. And these oh, are yeah, the things, yeah, and, yeah. and you know, it doesn't have to be corporal punishment. Uh, discipline is done, in fact, I believe, uh, not just uh, once, every once in a while, but it, it discipline, that tone of discipline, uh, uh, is it, it should be every day. I mean, that's kind of the, the idea yeah. of the word. And so when you apply that here, uh, we're not, by the way, suggesting that we go spank any liberals. That's, I mean, not whatever you're into, but, you know, consensual, oh, so consensual only, yes. consensual only, consensual only. Uh, but, but, <laughs> I'm just saying, but what the idea is, is that in, in this, in this, uh, regard, it would be the discipline is to not stand down, to not ignore it. Now, that's not to say that you have to engage every single time. Um, but right. I, I had this conversation with some relatives um, just this past weekend. And it was, you know, it, things are so crazy. What do you, you know, and being the talk show host in the family, of course, you know, I'm, I'm conducting my own talk show there in the living room at the yeah. beach house. And and, and we're just all, we're, we're having this conversation. Because a lot of people, you know, just want to and, and rightly so go about their, their daily lives and 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 they get along with people they love people they don't have any any enemies mm-hmm. and and so you know they but they hear about all this crazy stuff there is a lot of stuff that you can ignore there is a lot of the chatter on social media that honestly doesn't apply to all of us in our day-to-day lives but when it comes to yeah, yeah. the movement itself it should be addressed um and and there are ways to address it and i think we're seeing a lot of that come back at the far left and that's the discipline that is required. And I think uh, in terms of government, Governor DeSantis in Florida is one of those who is greatly disciplined in not standing down. Um, in terms right. of pop culture, yeah. uh, the aforementioned uh, Dave Chappelle is another. So these are these are, you know, you, you because Chappelle is very clear. If you watch the entire series of stand ups that he that he's done uh, on Netflix, uh, about his position and 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 who he is as a person, um, and 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 you know what he means by all of this. And look, uh, first and foremost, he's up there to make people laugh. If you don't think it's funny, yeah. you don't have to watch it. But but beyond that, it is you know people wanting to take his livelihood 
Um, and people so angry at him, you know, to the point that at the comedy festival, he was actually charged on stage by an individual. Um, but these are, you know, but when you look at the pushback also from um, the stand up comedy community, I've never said that in, in that in, in that phrase, but they really are a community of comics. Those guys are all friends. They, you know, they they kind of hang out. And uh, and and they help each other because a lot of them work together uh, very closely. And, you know, when you when if one is to fall, uh, Dave Chappelle is a giant. So if if the giant is to fall, well, then then what is next? If if they were to get Dave Chappelle off Netflix or off the stage or whatever, then then where do they go next? Well, they're going to take on Jamie Foxx or they're going to take on you know, Seinfeld or Bill, Bill Burr. Burr. <laughs> and next, the very, mon- uh, you know, relatively speaking, a guy who doesn't get in the uh, delve into a lot of issues at all. Uh, Nate Bargatze or Brian <laughs> Regan, you know, these guys that, you know. Uh, kind of are into the self-deprecating thing and talking about their their personal lives and bringing that in in a humorous way. These are all, you know, I mean, those the anything would be in in within the scope of the target. And the fact of the matter mm-hmm. is, is that uh, ultimately all they're trying to do is make people laugh. Chappelle's been doing it since he was a teenager. His dad drove him to uh, stand up uh, to do stand up when he was a kid. Um, and, and he, and that, what he does requires great discipline, which he has practiced over the years, but he's going to do it his way and you're not going to shut him down and you, and he shouldn't be shut down, whether you agree with him or yeah. not, he should never be shut down. So that's, that's you know, that's true to freedom of speech. Yep. That, that's what it, yeah. and, and that's what it requires. And, and we always have to defend it. And, uh, you know, and there are so many ways to do that and, and, and also practice that free speech every day brandon we appreciate it thank you so much for calling we appreciate your call but uh you know that's i I think that's really what it comes down to is that let's go brandon you know yeah exactly exactly get that on a t-shirt but uh yeah great call um you know i think that's what you know sometimes that feels like oh man i just want to turn it off and again in, in terms of the Stuff on social media, you can, you know, that's, that's not a bad thing to turn something like that off. Um, but as a society, we should reject any, any person or group that is looking to go to the point that any dissent should be outlawed. They uh, keep in mind, they are labeling many things as hate speech and even true hate speech is protected by the First Amendment. And it's because, and frankly, you and I talk about it. I want to know how people think. I want to know who people are and whether it's a hate group, a true hate group, or the political opposition. I want to know how people think. I want to know uh, what they're proposing. I, I want to know these things. And the First Amendment allows them to verbalize that. We'll talk more. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. To Brandon, our last caller, the other reason, I, the the other thing is, I think 
not only should we not ignore the left ever, uh, but I think we should be on the offense much more. We shouldn't allow conservatives, libertarians should never allow themselves to be on the defensive, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to areas like race. You know, we talked about that on every major issue, the left can't tell you the truth about how they really believe because they have for a while and the public has found out about what they really want to do and the public's rejected it. So you see on, for example, on the border, well, okay, uh, the border, it's secure. They can't tell you what's really going on down there because mm-hmm. they know the American public won't agree with it. Defund the police. We know they wish to defund the police. Then when it started backfiring on them, they reverse. But we know they actually do wish to defund the police and would could if they could get public support uh, 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 for that. We know their energy policy uh, is insane. And we believe now it's time to take them to task and be on the offense much more as we have been for the longest time on race for the longest time they've been calling conservatives racist yeah right and that is so untrue when you see because it's so obvious blunt identity politics is what they believe they judge people by groups and not individuals and mm-hmm. they defend it in critical race theory yeah and now judging people by groups is anti-racism instead of judging them as autonomous human beings and judging them by the character their by their character and as we have stated, because we do talk radio, the substance of their argument and their ability to tell the truth or not tell the truth. And and so, no, it's time on race to attack, 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 attack. And that's why we do that, because they are the ones that have succeeded in calling conservatives racist for the longest time. And enough conservatives has not spoke up about it. And now they are because of critical race theory. Now, when it's in our schools. Now, when parents are finally doing it, conservatives and conservatives in talk radio were doing it, but not overall. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so, no, I, we should be as uh, when I say loud, I mean, aggressive in promoting the points that are irrefutable. Yeah, that are sure. self-evident to people that are that easily exposes the lies of the left. Well, and it's the difference between being reactive and proactive. Uh, when you talk about um, engaging, when you engage on their terms, you're going to make a mistake every time. That mm-hmm. in and of itself is a mistake. When you engage in your own on your own terms, uh, and and this is something that I think Governor DeSantis does very well. It's not that he doesn't engage, but he doesn't do it. He doesn't go down the rabbit hole and chase the topic of a question. And well, well, it did, you know, if you look at the bill, it doesn't actually say don't know. He shuts it down. The bill doesn't say that and you know it. And controlling that conversation because, you know, the question is thrown at him or questions are thrown at him all the time. And he addresses it directly. So he engages on his own terms. That's important.
The IRS, the world's most aggressive collection agency. They can seize your property, bank account, and garnish your wages. They cause sleepless nights for millions of Americans. Don't be one of them. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, get protected. The Bonus Show. It's Red Eye Radio. We're Red Eye Radio. Red Eye Radio is not an it's. I said it's Red Eye Radio. We're Red Eye Radio. This is Red Eye Radio. Yes. All right. Let's mm-hmm. look at the latest polling. Okay. Amazing it took this long to come out. Most voters believe that President Biden's administration moved too slowly in taking down the Chinese spy balloon. Initially. Hmm. Uh, let me just get it to it uh, here. Hang on. Yeah, I hate when I print something, mm-hmm. when I read it online and then I print it. Mm-hmm. And then you look at it and it's like, why doesn't it print mm-hmm. the story when it looks like it's going to print the story? Yeah. Um, uh, we'll, uh, okay. here it is. Okay. I've got it now. The um, this was a Harvard Caps Harris survey found. The um, according to the survey, seventy nine percent heard about the Air Force taking down the Chinese surveillance balloon, mm. and most believe uh, it to be a challenge to U.S. sovereignty by China. 79%, uh, excuse me, they, they believe it's an espionage threat hmm. and was a threat to commercial traffic as well. A majority, sixty-three percent of voters believe the Biden administration acted too slowly in taking down the balloon. Okay, I get it now. Seventy-nine percent. Mm. said it was a challenge to U.S. sovereignty by China, an espionage threat, and a threat to commercial aircraft. A majority, 63% of voters, believe the Biden administration acted too slowly in taking down the balloon, compared to 37% who believe the administration acted in a measured way. A plurality of voters also believe that that the Secretary of State canceling his trip to China was not enough. The survey also asked about the other unidentified aerial objects that have since been spotted and taken down. Most, 59%, believe those are also Chinese spy balloons. And 82% support a congressional investigation into the matter. Ah. 82%. Okay. 77% also support taking punitive action on China due to the communist country's latest move. Hmm. Biden last Thursday, however, cast doubt on the idea, contending likely balloons were not tied to Chinese surveillance. I wonder if you measured people from today, what they or surveyed them today, uh, what, they would, uh, what they would think. Hmm. I don't know exactly when this poll was, uh, was taken. I don't have it here in front of me, so I don't know, because that would be important as to when precisely 
uh, it was taken. So, uh, and they just say the latest poll, but they don't have a link to the the actual uh, the actual survey. It does show one thing, though: every the vast majority of Americans don't believe what the White House was telling them. Yeah, right. And you know, hmm. and that's not a conservative pollster. And look, we can look back at it and say, all right, uh, this time it was just a spy balloon. And by the way, that's only based on what we have been told. (laughs) And we don't know what kind of data they have been able to gather, what information they got from that. But let's just say that it is, it was, uh, a benign situation. I don't believe it was. But even if it were, you have to learn from it. And the biggest lesson here is that this administration, this president is not in control. I will he, let, does, he, doesn't, okay. he doesn't have the ability to govern. And over and over again, we see the demonstration of that. Uh, let me just say that the poll was taken, ended eight days ago. Hmm. So it's an old poll. Mm-hmm. I just I just found it. So, um, And so, yes, I can understand eight days ago because mm-hmm. they started 10 days ago and finished it eight days ago. So I can see people at that point still wondering mm-hmm. whether the others were because the president didn't say till last Thursday, right. which is, right. which is uh, you know, just – Seven days ago. Mm-hmm. So the poll was, looks like the poll was done by the time the president came out and said, and the, it, the officials came out and said, well, we don't believe it's a Chinese balloon. So that's understandable mm-hmm. why people said that. Right. And I'm going through this is, this is a, they ask a ton of different questions here. And I'm trying to, I mean, this thing is, there's, looks like there's, oh, I don't know, a hundred pages in this. <laughs> I would love to see a poll on, to, that gauges uh, the sentiment of the people based on what they believe from this administration. Do they trust anything that Biden is telling them? Especially in geopolitical uh, uh, arenas, what is it that, that the American people believe and don't believe? Okay. Now, we're, have, right. we're engaged every single day on this front, but not everybody is. But I, I do wonder how many people believe. Uh, I mean, let's take this, for example. We're told they weren't right, or, or uh, Chinese balloons. Do you believe what the administration is telling you? All right. I have the actual polling here. So mm-hmm. I have I found I found it. Uh, have you heard or not heard about the U.S. Air Force taking down the Chinese surveillance balloon? Mm. Uh, and this was eight days ago. 79% had, 21% had not. Where are those 21%? What world do they live in? How did you not know about the Chinese balloon? Because yeah. that went into pop culture. Yeah, no, that was the first thing. When you, when you said yeah. 79%. Yes, that's why I had to check it to see. Uh, do you consider the presence of uh, these balloons... Uh, uh, a challenge to U.S. sovereignty by China, 66% yes, 17% no. Hmm. 
70, 17%. I don't know. Do you consider uh, these this uh, balloon an espionage threat? 65% yes. 18% no. 17% I don't know. A threat to commercial aircraft? 61% yes. 22% no. 17%, I don't know. I mean, those are like, that shows you nobody. I mean, you only have, nobody is buying what the administration said at all. And that was eight days ago. Mm -hmm. The the Chinese surveillance balloon was known to be hovering over the, I'm I'm reading the, the exact question. The Chinese surveillance balloon was known to be hovering over American skies for at least a week before it was shot down. Do you think that the Biden administration acted too slowly or did they act in a measured way before taking it down? 63% too slowly. 37% acted in a measured way. <laughs> we always we, we always have questions for those individuals. Oh, no, that was measured. Yeah, but many people that believe that that answered it was in a measured way Mm -hmm. a significant portion from what i can see close to half if you look at the other numbers of that at least half thought he acted in a measured way but it was a threat to the united states yeah right if you take the polling because it was they were polling the same people they didn't pull different people on it Mm -hmm. yeah which again is (sighs) brings about a lot of questions for those people should the Biden administration disclose what it knows about these aerial objects? It is shot down or not? 75% yes, 25% no. Hmm. Wow. Then uh, do you support or oppose the U.S. Congress investigating the use of surveillance balloons over American skies by China as well as these other aerial objects that were shot down? yes, 18% no. If these other downed aerial balloons are found to be Chinese surveillance balloons, should the United States take further punitive actions on China or go after all balloon clubs in the country? Yes, 70... I added that last part, okay? Mm -hmm. 77% yes, 23% no. I mean, you cannot get you cannot get more landslide numbers. Seriously, you can't. In this polar, when you think about it, in this tribal polarized political society that we live in today, those are absolutely landslide numbers that tell you the American people do not buy anything that Kareem Jean Pierre or Biden are saying on this. Yeah, or said on it right initially. In general, do you think China regularly spies or not on the U.S. government? 77% yes. 12% no. Who are these 12% that don't think that China regularly spies on us? Who are these people? No, I mean, these are the the groups we always want to talk to. Do you think China regularly spies on the U.S. Congress? 70% yes. 15% 15% no. U.S. businesses, 73% yes. Of course, because that would be, you're talking about corporate spying. 73% yeah. yes, 14% no. 
Regular Americans, 61% yes, 22% no. Wow. Well, when it comes to corporations, intellectual property rights, that's been an issue for a long time. So uh, their version of spying in that regard is stealing technology. Yes. Which requires you to find the technology first. You got to do the surveillance and then you get it and then you deconstruct it and make it your own. Uh, Do you think Joe Biden is up to handling the challenges from China, Russia, and Iran? 56% not up to the job, 44% up to the job. Oh. Would Donald Trump be up to the job or not? Almost reversed. 54% yes, 46% no. But see, those are generalized political questions at that point. Well, it it is interesting that there is that much confidence in the current commander-in-chief. That's a lot. But... Again, I, it's as you point out, it's a political question. When you break down the issues, when you break down, look, you break down the, the botched exit of Afghanistan. And you had people that were otherwise screaming for years, we got to get out, we got to get out. That They were saying, uh, and remember there was a poll, we did it. Do you believe we should have kept some troops in Afghanistan? Oh, yeah. Do you think we're going to have to go back eventually to Afghanistan because of the way that we got out of Afghanistan? Yeah, probably. And so when you break the ideas down, you know, and and it's all going to be political, but when you break the ideas down, it's going to be separate than just the names of the people in charge or would be people in charge. You know, this is really interesting. Uh, they asked this question, should the United States relax oil and gas drilling regulation in order to provide European nations uh. with short-term support as they cut their dependency on Russia oil and natural gas? They didn't mm. ask about the United States, right. just Europe. Right. 49% of Democrats, yes. 27% no. 50% of Republicans, yes. 30% of Republicans, no. Uh, unsure, 24 and 20%. Mm. Mm. Across the board, equal. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if you asked that question about the U.S. Yeah, supplying it to the U.S. That's a very different yeah. question, right? But still, that's huge. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio toll free at eight six six ninety Red Eye. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. Uh, coming up from the, the top of the hour, I started looking, and we started this polling by by looking at something, uh, you know, uh, completely different, the Chinese spy balloon. But this latest poll from uh, Harvard, uh, Caps, uh, also asked the question on Ukraine. And yeah. the polling here shows exactly what the problem is for the president in the future. We'll have this coming up. 
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around this entire planet, we are Red Eye Radio. And we say the entire planet because you can listen to us on any of our great radio stations live. Or mm-hmm. if you can't do that, you can listen to our podcast, which is our show, yep. which comes out early in the morning, each and every morning. And you can listen when and where you want. All right. Yeah. So the problem that the president has with the war in Ukraine, and it's very simple. Americans have supported it the last year. The majority has, when you look at the latest, uh, you look at the polling here. And the numbers that they use for assistance are not the total amount of assistance that we've given Ukraine. Uh, Right here it says, um, let me get to it here. Uh, The U.S. government has committed more than $27.1 billion in security assistance since the start of the 2022 war. Do you think this investment in Ukraine and the uh, uh, and, and the protection is justified? 64% said yes up to this point. 36% said no. Now, you've told me that the total assistance we've given, military and humanitarian, is 76 billion yes Not, uh right. mi- the, that's total military financial and humanitarian is 76.8 billion right so they're using the 27 billion number and then they ask the question do you think that protecting ukraine's sovereignty and security is an investment in preserving global order or a massive waste of resources still landslide numbers an investment in global order 60 percent massive waste of resources Forty percent. That's up to this particular point. Now, here's the problem. And we talked about this yesterday. We're going to have to keep spending more and more and more. The amount we give Ukraine is not going down. It's going to go up. And it's not twenty seven billion. It's a lot more. In fact, for all of twenty twenty three, if this war continues at the pace that it does, I can see us spending over a hundred billion. Yeah. So then this question is asked. Uh, let me see, uh, uh, would you support or oppose giving another $27 billion in aid to Ukraine in 2023, which is probably, at the minimum, one-fourth of what we will actually give? 53% oppose, 47% approve. You can already see the numbers degrading the polling numbers degrading okay it's for a year but the problem has to be solved after a year or we need to get out and mm-hmm. if you actually told the american public the true numbers in the poll yeah. what would they think right and that's the problem because as been pointed out uh russia doesn't just need to win the war outright all they have to do is extend this thing out till Americans get sick of financing it, and then we slowly pull out. 
No, it's a, a great point. And, and I think there's been some analysis, uh, over the last week because of the, uh, president's visit and, and the, and the one year anniversary and all that. Uh, and, and that is, look, Putin, if his health is intact, he can wait it out. He can sit and wait it out. He doesn't need to withdraw troops. He doesn't, even if he does in certain areas of Ukraine, he can still wait it out. He still has very much the upper hand over Ukraine. And you're right, uh, because my question is, is part of his tactic knowing that 2024 is going to change one way or the other. Uh, and, and maybe it's only temporary, but I don't think it is. But it's going to change the mindset and politically the actions of the administration in terms of the war against Ukraine with Russia. So Putin knows the election year is here. You know, as of this summer, everybody's going to be campaigning, and that's going to be the question. You have a president who prides himself in being the one who ended the war in Afghanistan. He botched the exit completely, but he prides himself. He looks at that as a victory. And the question that the American people, after, uh, you know, you go a, a year helping Ukraine, we're not there. We don't have boots on the ground. It's not the same thing. But $78 billion, $78.6 billion is not a small amount of money. And if we're spending that in one year, how much would be needed going forward? And that's exactly what you're asking the American people. Right. And the American people are going to ask of this administration. Because we go another year and a half and all this, and you keep saying more for Ukraine, more for Ukraine. Mm -hmm. You already see the American public, again, the majority and big majorities are supporting it. Yeah. But that ends now. Right. Americans, the majority of Americans don't want to spend what we spent last year. And the figure's actually wrong. It's it's lowballed by over half as to what we've actually spent in the polling and americans are asked would you still want to spend uh another 27 billion in 2023 all of a sudden it reverses nope americans don't want to spend the same amount of money 27 billion which we spent 76 billion last year yeah. they don't want to spend that this year we'll probably spend over 100 billion this year right on ukraine and so another year and a half of spending another Let's hypothetically, $150 billion. Will Americans want to be in Ukraine at that point? When clearly they don't want to spend, they don't want to spend the money before it's spent. Now, a year is enough. Right. And if, sorry, but that's the way that the American public is on any type of war. If we can't end it in a year, just get out of it. I mean, that's what we did in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. Well, the war's gone on for too long. Yeah, but they're still fighting us. Well, whatever. We'll end the war. Well, you're not ending the war. Right. You're just retreating and allowing them to rebuild. No, the war isn't ended because they haven't ended it. And and Putin knows this about Biden. And he knows yep. about, you know, look, election year being a big impact on that. So wait it out. If if his health allows, Putin can has all the time in the world. 
He certainly can wait it out into 2024. He does not need to retreat and say, okay, we're done. Well, and he knows, odds are, that if the American public is sick of it in a year and a half, it's going to be another negative for Biden. Yeah, exactly. Which means at that point, the Republican will read the poll and say, we don't want to do this anymore. Putin wins. Right. Yep. And then the American public will say, well, why did we spend all that money if Putin and Russia ended up winning anyway? Exactly. And that's the problem because... And by that by that right. time, who knows you know, well, well, how look, much that could be. Look, we already know what we're doing in Ukraine is not to give Ukraine the ability to win the war overall. Right. You know, you th- sit there and you think about Vietnam, where the criticism of Vietnam was, well, we weren't really trying to win. Mm-hmm. Well, in this case, are we trying to win with overwhelming force, which is how you try to win? No. No, we can't send planes. No, we can't do this. No, we can't get involved. We give them assistance, 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 assistance. But will that win the war? Well, it may delay the war for a couple of years, but will it end the final result? Right. Well, we're hoping that there'll be a coup in Russia. Well, that hasn't happened yet. Well, we're hoping that Putin will die. Well, that hasn't happened yet. Exactly. So you're not trying to win the war. Both sides are attempting to extend the war. But Putin knows that the American public is limited on their patience for spending money. It'll last a year, and then they want out. The polling shows it's exactly what it is right now. Right. That now a majority don't want to spend the money we spent last year in Ukraine. That the polling lowballed drastically by over half what we're actually spending. And still Americans don't want to spend... Americans don't want to spend half of what we spend on Ukraine last year Hmm. now a majority do not after a majority supported it last year now they don't want to spend half of what we spent right last year right that's the problem that biden has right and if they were given in this in these polls the real numbers i wonder how much of that would change if if it would be even lower support for helping ukraine and and those are the things you have to look at you know, um, I saw some analysis yesterday, and I don't know, again, who knows what's accurate, what's true, or uh, what might be true long-term or, or come true down the road. Uh, but the analysis was that uh, the, this person uh, being a uh, uh, foreign affairs and and, uh, uh, and war, basically, expert, <laughs> and was commenting and saying that if there were going to be a coup, we would have seen it by now. Now, again, I don't know what's used for justification. It was a very short conversation. But if there were going to be a coup against Putin, that would have already happened. And there's lots of rumors, especially lately, it's come back around that he's sick and everything else. But he appeared the other day. You know. I it, they've said this from the beginning, and you had the analysis too of well he doesn't look the same he doesn't walk the same. That's been going on for a year now. You have to assume he's very okay, and there's not going to be a coup, and that he can wait it out until politically 
there is no support in the U.S. for assisting Ukraine. And then he goes in. Because if we're not going to give them assistance, they're going to, they're going to get very little from other nations in that region, comparatively. Mm-hmm. So those are the things you have to look at. Putin, if he is able to, if his health allows, he can wait it out. And you have to assume that he can. 86690-RED-EYE. Tires command a lot of attention. As a top expense for drivers and a leading cause of CSA violations, any tire maintenance practice that can help extend tire life is worth consideration. Consider tire balancing which can set you up for savings and a smoother ride before your tires touch the highway. Tire balancing corrects an uneven distribution of weight in tires and wheel assemblies, but the trick is to be proactive and not reactive. Conduct routine tire inspections and pay special attention to any unusual wear patterns. Once unusual tread wear is visible on a tire, its traction and stopping distance is reduced and its lifespan will likely be shortened. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. And Red Eye Radio, he is Eric Carlin, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Well, uh, yesterday they had a uh, the uh, uh, Judiciary uh, Committee uh, had a hearing at the border in Yuma, Arizona. Mm. Now, uh, this is one that every Democrat on the Judiciary Committee did not attend because they said they were not giving notification until the last minute. Uh-huh. We know that's a lie. Mm-hmm. That was shown to be a, uh, a lie. Mm-hmm. They had three weeks' notice that this was going to happen. They did it because they would be embarrassed. Yeah. You can tell if the left believes that they can win an argument. When they don't show, that proves they can't win the argument. Mm -hmm. And in this case, and we're going to play uh, Jim Jordan in a moment and what he had to say, but uh, our friend uh, uh, Kevin Tober over at Newsbusters, man, they got a tough job there that uh, monitor the uh, the media, mm-hmm. not any mention on NBC, CBS, or ABC. Nothing on the fact that this is going on, that this hearing is going on at the border. Right. There's a blackout. Nothing. Because they know they can't win the argument on the border. They know the Republicans will expose the lies of the administration, that the border is secure and will bring to the American public the seriousness of what's going on on the border. Now, the American public already know it. But the fact is, that's why the Democrats, they're cowards. And it also shows that they don't care about border cities. You know, they interviewed uh, the management of one hospital there, says, we're going to go bankrupt. We're spending so much money, and we don't have it, and we're not being reimbursed by the federal government. They've completely ignored us. Yep. That they're destroying health care in these border cities because they're bankrupting these hospitals Mm -hmm. 
because they're allowing it to go on. And since they can't admit that it's going on, then they can't reimburse the hospitals. Because the border is secure. Yeah. And if they have to reimburse the hospital and they talk about the problems these hospitals are having, well, then they're making the admission that things are out of control at the border. And even though the American public knows it, they know they can't admit it because they've been denying it and telling Americans the border is secure. It is just the most, I mean, the Democratic Party. And, you know, look, we criticize both parties when we feel feel we should, but it isn't. Whoever said it, uh, who was it who said it's not about right or left anymore? It's not about Democrat versus Republican. It's Republicans versus insanity. Yeah. And it's it's pure insanity. It is. Here's Jim Jordan uh, yesterday uh, in some of his comments. It's a shame that not one Democrat member of Congress would join us on this trip despite having weeks of advance notice. It's disappointing, but it's not surprising. In fact, the Democrats have called this a stunt. I would argue it's not a stunt. Not, but not what we've... My guess is our witnesses wouldn't call it a stunt. What we've learned today from them, what we've seen last night on the border, uh, but it's disappointing that they're not here. Democrats dismiss the experiences of these real people that we've had a chance to visit with the last 24 hours, people affected by the Biden border crisis, and Democrats seem to believe that solutions can only come from bureaucrats in Washington. We actually think they come from the American people. There you go. I mean, it's really amazing. It's, it's amazing. But they don't have any other choice. You know, when you think about it, the Democrats don't have any other choice because they've been lying about what's been going on at the border. They approve of what's going on at the border. Yep. And they know to sit there. You know, what questions are they going to have for these people, for these hospital people, for these Border Patrol people? They can't ask any questions to them. Because no, they can't. No, everything is going to turn on them. Uh, this entire thing has turned on them. And in a committee situation, you're just not going to get the win if you're a Democrat. There is no way. So what do they do? They fake a protest. Yeah. We didn't have proper proper notification. And it's That's a, a lie. And it was an obvious lie. Yeah, the uh, Yuma Regional Medical Center, Mm -hmm. uh, Yuma's only hospital, and the CEO there, uh, according to Bill Malusian of Fox News, says they are on the verge of financial collapse after the hospital spent more than $20 million in six months providing care for illegal immigrants and migrants with no reimbursement and nobody to foot the bill. Yeah. We've heard this story, by the way going on in in border states and towns for years. What's going on with hospitals is 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 tragic. And it's tragic because the Democrats don't care anything about it. They're no. not about to fix this. They don't care about the health care system down there. They don't care about the illegal immigrants. No. They don't care no, all they all they care about is open borders and this delusion that if we have open borders, we're eventually going to get these people to vote. Yep. Right. Democrat. If I'm Jordan, set up some more hearings down the road and make the notification very public. Yeah. Tell the media when you notify Nadler and all the rest.
the IRS, the world's most aggressive collection agency. They can seize your property, bank. hours a night and still not enough listen to our podcast available on the app and on our website red show.com and he is eric carley and i'm gary mcnamara 86690 uh, red eye so yeah you know that the democrats don't believe they don't want to touch the border no they no. just it, it's just ignored as if it's not happening right if the network thought that they had you know, because you think about it, oh, the networks could say, see, here are the Republicans down here just playing politics with the border at this hearing. And, well, they can't do that. Right. Well, who are the witnesses? They brought in CEO, the CEO from the local hospital. Mm-hmm. They brought in Border Patrol agents. They brought in people that have been, you know, uh, 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 victims. They brought in how this has drained public resources, how it's destroying the town and how the federal government has ignored them. The networks can't cover it. They can't no. find a way to spin it. No, they can't. There is no way. And that's the that's the problem for them going forward because this isn't going to end here. Jim Jordan is not going to just say, okay, well, I guess they didn't show up. We're going to end this. Uh, this is going to be brought up over and over again. And Nadler and, and the Democrats, they're not going to be able to defend against this. You know, if you think about it, that excuse that they gave, oh, we didn't get proper notification, which was a blatant lie. But it was a really stupid excuse, too. Because <laughs> you look at the calendar of, of the committees and everything else, and and anybody, even if you're not a walk, you're, you're not following it day to day, you look at that and go, what do you mean they didn't get notification, proper notification? What else are they going to be doing on that day? Of course they get, those guys get notification. It's a stupid excuse. So instead of saying, uh, and, and, and remember what they tried to say on, on other committees, what they have been talking about the, and, and the questions coming up about Hunter and, 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 uh, and the one hearing recently, it's, well, we could be doing other things. We need to be doing other. We can't be. This is wrong that we're. And it's they're screaming because they don't have control. And the American people, they this you look at the polls on the border, they lose. The Democrats lose every single time. And it would be better just to go along with it and answer and, and just ask questions and not try not to make a political moment out of it just yeah. quietly ask questions and then you know and, and 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 be boring about it so that you don't get the sound bite so that when it's over it's just over but when again when you're saying that this is just a a this is just all show from the republicans yeah. if you believed you could sell they said it mm-hmm but they couldn't sell that argument to the networks to carry it. Right. They're not on the network saying the Republicans are having this and it's a show trial. There is no problem at the border. Mm-hmm. They're not defending even on friendly media. Right. 
They're not going to the media saying, look, you need to cover this because the Republicans are doing something horrendous. There is no problem at the border, and they're going down, and we reject going down uh, there to the border because there is no problem. And ABC, NBC, and CBS, you need to hear our side of it. That's not happening. No. Nope. Because they know they have nothing. And what are they going to do? You know, I mean, AOC tried to say we, we need to tackle more important issues like abortion rights. But honestly, on on the immediate issues right now, what what are they going to say? We need to have a hearing on the train derailment? That's not going to go their way either. <laughs> We're going to need to have a hearing on the whole balloon thing. <laughs> that the isn't going to work. <laughs> Where do they go? We need to have a we need to have a hearing on why the administration promised tanks to Ukraine that may never appear in Ukraine. <laughs> why is the president doing that? I, I need mean, to talk about defending Ukraine. You're right. There isn't a topic there, they really can talk about. There isn't a topic. So what do they do? Well, they do what, uh, what's her name said, uh, that, that her friends did in 2016 that were, you know, that, that were supporting Hillary. Marine Dowd. Yeah, Marine yeah. Dowd. Uh, that they close their door, they draw their, this is what Nadler and the rest of them did. Uh, we'll, we're just going to stay home and, and we're just going to, well, we'll just draw the blinds and we'll just close the door. It, it's the, the, we didn't, we weren't given enough time. We didn't get a notification is a flat out lie. Yep. And it's a lame lie. Because here's the thing. But what else do they say? And honestly, what else do they say? There are, uh, on the border thing, on the border thing, there are more important issues? Go ahead and say that out loud. This is the only thing they could do, and that's pretty bad. You know they've lost when the only thing they can do is stay home and not be a part of it. Because, you know, look, they're filled with a, uh, you know, a whole list of uh, of uh, 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 cards that they can play when it comes to protesting and excuses and everything else. You know, uh, the Senate uh, confirmation hearings on on, uh, on on justices where they got up and they walked out and, uh, you know, and all right. Well, you don't get away with that here. And you don't dare say something like, we need to be tackling more pressing issues than the border. So the only thing you can do is stay home. You know, what are the other issues? Well, let's have one on uh, on the grid. Right. You want to talk about whether solar and wind can actually supply enough electricity to the United States. You guys want to have that hearing? Right. By the way, the Republicans, I believe, will have a hearing on that uh, eventually. But they need to bring in energy people to talk about where the country is going there also. The the problem is the Democratic Party has gotten to the point where they can't defend to the American public anything that they believe unless they do it in a meme or a slogan. Right. Or make a statement like... Solar and wind will provide energy for everybody. And then yeah. they walk off and there's no questions. Right, right. You know, let us make the statement, but no questions, no follow-ups, no debate, right? no witnesses, mm-hmm. nothing. 
Yeah. And by the way, even on the we, we talked about this, even on the Hunter Biden thing, the American public, we, we've seen the polling on it. The American public doesn't agree with the Democrats. They believe that influence peddling is definitely something that should be uh, talked about. And the fact that 82 percent want congressional investigations. Remember, the vast majority of Americans, it was, what was it? It was close to 80 percent want hearings on Hunter on, on Hunter Biden. Yeah, right. And it was 82 percent for the balloons. Yeah. yeah. They want a congressional investigation, right. which means Republicans. Exactly. No, I mean, there is no win. There is no out except for staying home. You know, I suggest that, you know, I, I brought up the idea of, look, you just go there and you just quietly ask some boring questions and get it over with. But I don't know what those questions would be. I really don't. I mean, I, I even trying to put my mindset into a liberal mindset of, of what you would ask, like the hospital CEO. I mean, I, I could hear maybe one of the liberals saying or asking the question, do you believe um, uh, a single payer system would would help uh, in this situation? I, I mean, I, I, I it, there's just no win. There's no way to there's nowhere to go. And the more I look at it, the more I, I actually do believe that their best bet was to sit this one out, literally stay home. Yeah. Just stay home. Just stay home. Is, is, the, is, the, is the best way for us not to get killed more on this topic. We're, because we would just get buried and we can't protest it in any other way. But to come up with some lame excuse that we were and lie. Not an excuse, but a lie that we weren't given enough notification. Like I said, I think Jordan should continue this and and do another one and then be very vocal in the media. We have sent the minority party a notification on the dates and it's going to be and there you go. And and Yeah, you do another you do another one, for example, in, in El Paso. Exactly. We're having another hearing yep. in El Paso. Right. It will be sixty days from now. Right. And we have sent right. this this is a copy of the letter uh, that I sent. Yes. To all yeah, the be- Democrats on the committee and this, including the ranking member. Uh, and this is uh, a copy for you in case anybody has any questions. And that went out this morning. And these these will be the dates of the hearing. I want to say this, that the Republicans in the House must be listening to Red Eye mm. because we suggested this for Trump. We said it's not enough for you to sit up there and say, build the wall. Hmm. remember what we suggested oh, he yeah. do yeah that yeah. he go and he and he he leads round tables at the border with people that are dealing with, with it every day right yep. now and he doesn't really he may ask he may ask questions uh of them but he gets you know he gets uh somebody who is you know i, I don't know whether it's a friendly journalist uh, mm. you know back then uh, uh somebody from fox or whatever mm. uh that that to ask the questions about it, and Trump can you know interject and say, well, what about this? But have Trump ask the questions. You know, we believe. Look, I believe there should be more border security here. Mm-hmm. That we need to do something. I think the wall would help. Other people think different things. But what is this? Tell us what the situation is, so we can come to a conclusion. You know, to how bad it is. And right. you talk to those. And we said he should have done these town halls. 
town yep. hall, but not town hall with just normal people. Right. A town hall with, as they did, border patrol, hospital right. people, yep. mayors, the impact, you know, of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. should have done that to sell the wall. And he should have been doing it every couple of months all the way through, you know, the first couple of years of his administration. Yep. yep. And the Republicans, I don't think, should stop here. I think they should hold another one and then hold the Democrats. Look. It's all about politics. Yeah, they're politicians, so everything's about politics. But is the politics and the message in the politics the correct message or the wrong message? Is the is the message in the politicizing of an issue the truth or a lie? That's what matters. Right. The politicalization right. means nothing because they're politicians and that's what they do. And if they believe they have something that the American people want to hear and it's the truth, and it's where the American people stand, and they talk about it, and they're accused of politicizing, who cares? Right. No, I mean, that's it. it is, is it an issue that concerns the American people? Yes. All right, then great. It's time to get down to the truth as to uh, what's going on and how to fix it. Right. So they said this is all going to be a sh- It's all for show. It's all, it's all show. They're just politicizing this. Are they, when they talk to the CEO of a hospital, is that politicizing something in the wrong way? Is it showboating to bring on Border Patrol agents and people that are being affected by the illegal immigration? Is is it uh, showboating to talk about towns and hospitals that are going bankrupt because the federal government, because of their policy and the administration caused this and won't reimburse them for the hell that they've caused these cities, is that showboating? Right. Well, then go ahead. Say that showboating. Boy, I, I want to be able to debate that one, oh, which yeah. they can, yeah. the yeah. Republicans can, oh, yeah. because they're bringing people and normal people and hot medical people that their lives and professions are being destroyed because yeah. of the policies of the Biden administration and the Democrats. Right. So go ahead, say it's showboating, and then go do the do, go do the work, and then show the American people the work, and then go do it again a couple of months ago in El Paso, right? And then go to Del Rio. Yes, because when those hospitals suffer, when they're they're in uh, such danger of of going under, then the citizens that live in those towns don't have the hospitals and the care they need. Right. It's it is it, it's a very clear case. And there is no way to win this if you're a Democrat, unless you're a border Democrat like like Cuellar in in Texas that are screaming at their own party. Yeah, it's called Biden Care. Yeah, exactly. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. Check out all the latest in news, events, trucking information, and podcasts at Red Eye Radio's website at redeyeradioshow.com. That's redeyeradioshow.com. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Uh, so Andrea Mitchell, has she responded? You saw that DeSantis said, nope, sorry, no interviews with anybody associated with NBC, mm-hmm. NBC Universal, MSNBC, right. whatever, where we're getting calls for interviews. Sorry, all done, unless she apologizes. And she was imprecise in her apology. In she was imprecise in her imprecise apology. 
And he said, sorry, the apology isn't good enough. You lied. Yeah. You need to apologize for the lie. Right. You lied and said that in the state of Florida that I don't want to teach about slavery. You lied about it. You said something you knew wasn't true. You didn't make a mistake. You said something deliberately that you knew was not true. We'll get to more of that coming up. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? Can <laughs> you pay me more? Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. <laughs> 